by the way, Heidi hosted Heidi and her husband Richard hosted me at their lovely home. Thank you for that. When I travel, I have three rules on the road. One is you have to have air conditioning because I sleep at 62 degrees. Second one, you got to have security. They have a nice lock gate. That's good. And the third is I'm not allowed to be at a house alone with a woman because I'm married 41 years and I want to keep it that way. Right. It's it's sort of like the Billy Graham rule. Right. So anyway, she and her husband have been excellent hosts. I feel quite pampered. Thank you, sir. And he cured his own, cures his own bacon. And man, was it good. And the son cooked us a a brisket that was to die for. Maybe the best I've ever had. All right. So take a picture of that. If you want to track me, that's how you track me on, on social media. I don't have a website. Mr. Lindell features a lot of my stuff on his page, as you can see there. But this is how you track what I'm doing day to day around the country. I do this almost every day. I'm, I'm home maybe three to four days a month. I've been doing that straight for about two and a half years now. And um, 800 counties, boots on the ground, we're kicking butt. And I just want to tell you, you just learned that our machines are no good. You just learned they're totally hackable. Clint and, um, and Walter did a magnificent job showing you that you shouldn't trust your machines. But the question is, is how do you fix it? I mean, they have overwhelming evidence that this is a problem. We've got overwhelming evidence all over the country, but it doesn't matter. If you run to Mr. Paxton and show him this, nothing's going to happen. You know how I know? Because I did that. I spent three days with him and his technical people at, at the Capitol showing them how vulnerable their systems were. They know. Okay. I'm just going to tell you a story. I feel like yesterday I told you the story how um, with Kyle Ardwan, Secretary of State of Louisiana, how right in front of his face, we hacked into every one of his counties. Remember that IDRAC 8 chip that uh, Professor uh, was telling you about? He said um, uh, we could go and remotely turn on all the machines and change anything we wanted county to county. And so did he change anything? No, he went and hid in the hole. So I'm going to tell you a story from Missouri now. Missouri, I was being driven around the state by a, 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 a senator, state senator, meeting with all the clerks in the state of Missouri, one after another, boom, 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 every day, multiple per day. And finally, on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, I met with the head clerk of Missouri. We sat down in his office. He's the one who teaches all the other clerks how to run their machines. And he, and he immediately launched into a defense of his machines and how good they are and how secure the networks are and everything. And after about 10 minutes, I just said, that's enough. I'm not here to talk about your machines. What do you mean? Yeah, Mr. Lindell talks about the machines. I'm going to talk to you about your roles, your voter roles. He said, what do you mean your voter roles? And I said, I think that you have tens of thousands of ballots being stuffed in your counties using the voter roles uh, to know how to stuff ballots. And he goes, really? You think so? And I said, yeah. So I turned my computer around. For the next 10, 15 minutes, I started showing what we'd already found and what we we're finding by knocking on doors. After about 10 minutes, I'm not exaggerating, he took his arms like this. He goes, yeah, we know we have tens of thousands of ballots being stuffed in our elections. The senator sitting next to me, her mouth falls open. She says, what? You know, if you know, how come you're not telling the county clerks? Quote, if we told our clerks how many ballots are being stuffed in their elections, the whole state would blow up and everyone would lose faith in our elections. Unquote. <laughs> wow. So if you have all this lovely evidence, like Clinton Walter just showed you, and you run to the secretary of state, he already knows and they're not doing anything now. So why do you expect to bring in more evidence and expect? expect anything to happen. This is what I did all of 2021. I've met with two dozen secretary of states at length, two dozen AGs at length. I've testified before about a dozen legislatures. And I want to tell you one more story. I was testifying. I was working with some grassroots teams in Kansas. 
And I, we, we were creating quite a steam, quite a disturbance there, which is what I love to do. And so uh, the legislature was pressured into having me in to testify formally under oath in Kansas. So it was an hour and a half long. It's televised under oath. The whole election committee of the Kansas state legislature is there. And it's all being broadcast across the state. So I get up for about 35 minutes. I give my testimony, explain how the elections are being stolen in their state, spell everything out, all my numbers and everything. And I finish. And so then they have about an hour to ask me questions. And this lovely senator, her name is Tate, uh, sorry, Red, Representative is Tatum Lee. She's a freshman legislator. By the way, she's a freshman legislator. There's a reason I said that. So uh, she says, hey, everybody, just this morning, I found these reports. I didn't even know they existed. This one's dated 2018. This one's dated 2020. I'm circulating copies now. They're being handed out to the 12 people on the committee. She says this first one from 2018. By the way, both of these are were commissioned by this committee to the Kansas House of Representatives research team. So both of these reports are from our own department. First one, she says, says right here in the abstract that they're finding already lots of ways that our elections in Kansas were being compromised already in 2018. And they already listed a whole bunch of fraud that they were already finding. But everybody look at this second report from 2020. Everybody turn to page seven. Everybody's flipping to page seven. She says, look at these seven bullet points on, uh, on this page. She says, this is almost word for word what Dr. Frank just talked to us for the last 35 minutes. What am I thinking in my head? Cha-ching, I own Kansas because I did my own independent analysis and I just confirmed everything their own research department also found in their own state. And this is all informal testimony. When she said that, you should have heard the courtroom burst out into applause because they had the ones who brought me there uh, uh, to pay for my plane ticket to, to come there. So I'm thinking, dude, that's it. I, I win. You know, so we had about an hour of questioning and whatnot. That night, me and the grassroots teams, about 50 of us were in an Apple bees celebrating you know we because we, we win right we, we won i've got mike lindell on the phone and put him up on the speakerphone everybody's looking down you know and you know, we're all at this big celebration because uh, because we won right i mean we've proven that we've proven that the state's got all this fraud and they're acknowledging it in their own reports but while we were celebrating, a committee of the House reconvened that night and they came up with a new redistricting map for the state of Kansas. And the following morning, they voted out her district. It doesn't exist anymore. That's Kansas. Yesterday, I just told you about Louisiana. Do you want me to tell you about Oklahoma? Do you want me to tell you about Wyoming? Do you want me to tell you about Nebraska? Yeah, I can go state by state by state. All these states you think are red. You're right. They are red. The people are red, but the legislatures are not. The legislatures are not representing the people. There isn't one good legislature in the country. I'm going to show you an example of that in a minute to help you understand that even the most conservative legislature in this country is not on our side. And what's basically happened in our country is we have lost, we have lost control of our elections. Our elections are no longer being run at the precinct level. I don't care what machine you use or what machine you don't use. I just want the local people to count their own ballots. That's what I want. And I want you to police your own ballots at your own precinct level and be able to audit and everything being transparent so you can track what you do. That's what I want. And by the way, we've been successful at that across the country. If you didn't hear, Shasta County in California just, just got rid of all their machines. Okay, and I have 25 counties now around the country that that's happening. Systematically around the country, this is beginning to happen. And if you don't know that, you're listening to the wrong news. Now, I talked last night and I gave you a lot of introductory stuff. I don't want to do that again 
again tonight. I want to kind of build on what I did last night, but I promised you some new stuff. So I'm, I just told you two new stories already. My objective for being here is when I leave, I want there be to, I want you guys to establish a team. I've already got three teams up in, uh, sorry, I, the, my, slide didn't work. I've already got three counties up there where we have good teams going, um, where we are going to do what I need you to do. And I have this little brochure, I call it seven steps for taking our elections back. And you can, you can find it on my, uh, social media pages, like on that page I just showed you, cause I just posted it the other day. What that is, is it's hard won lessons. Everybody repeats the same mistakes. Everybody thinks, oh yeah, we found the fraud. We run and we give it to the DA. Wrong. Nothing will happen if you do that. You never give up your responsibility as a citizen to, to do this. This is your audit, nobody else's. Um, that's, that's basically the idea. So anyway, last night I reviewed what our predicament is. Basically, I just reviewed it again. I told you this, this fix is local. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And then I do lots of data analyses and I want to show you some of that tonight. I promise to keep it simple. Uh, when did all this start? Basically, the short answer is in the 90s, early in the 90s. I can show you how to steal an election. I'll give you some examples of that. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about who are the they. Everybody wants to know who's who are the they that are stealing our elections. And uh, a little bit of news around the country, not too much because I only have an hour. Uh, but but I can just tell you in a nutshell, around the country, we are experiencing a major um, revival around the country. You may not feel like it here in your little corner of Texas, but every day I get to hang with patriots and they are waking up all over the place. It's very exciting to me. Exactly. So I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it simple that my strategy is to keep it simple. I, I learned this when I was working for the state of Pennsylvania. One of the senators came to me and he says, Dr. Frank, you're just making this way too hard. He says, we're not scientists. We're not mathematicians. We studied law because we don't know how to do math. <laughs> They said, he says, dude, you got, he says, you have to explain it with crayons. You have to explain this stuff with crayons. And so I spend more time figuring out how to explain things than I do figuring it out myself. Okay. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Okay. And so I, I started testifying before this committee in Pennsylvania and, and I was interrupted and the, and the senator said, please talk to me like I'm 10 years old. Okay. And so I started simplifying it even more. And he says, no, no, no. Okay. Talk to me like I'm five. Okay. So, but I've gotten good at it now after two and a half years. I can explain it to you like your five-year-olds. I think, I think you're going to know what to do when we leave here today. So that's where I'm going with that. Last night I talked about you need to have stones like David had stones. We need to all stand up. And there's a funny story with that, but I already told you that last night. And I told you about this last night that this is a nice summary of the situation we're in. This is from Lady Liberty. This Lady Liberty in the Capitol building, Wisconsin. She's pointing towards heaven because that's where the source of our liberty is. And then her other hand is protecting the ballot box because that's how we protect our liberty. And we've given up our liberty, our ballot box. That's why we're losing our liberty every day. So we have to take it back. And that's what I'm going to try to convince you you need to do. I was just with Trevor Loudon the other day. He said something really interesting in the talk. He said, we're in the midst of a Marxist revolution and is 80 percent complete. People tell me all the time, oh, Dr. Frank, we got to protect our country. We got to save our country. Wrong. We have to get our country back. We've already lost every legislature in the country. Okay. We have to start taking them back. It's not going to be easy. We're, we're on an uphill battle. And basically the bottom line, take our country back. We're going to need to get rid of the machines, perform our elections with our own two hands and our own two feet. And until we do that, we're basically giving our country away. So simple way of saying this, we got to vote Amish. <laughs> all paper, all paper, no 
machines. It's so simple. It's that simple. Okay. Uh, and then the seven steps that I kind of went over with a little bit last night in a nutshell, the, the seven steps are, um, you got to get connected first and basically you got to connect to, to Mike. He's here. You got to get connected to Mike Lindell. Um, if you go to causeofamerica.org, causeofamerica.org and sign up, we will connect you to your local team. We have people all over the country that are already engaged big time in this. Don't try to start over. Hook up with the team that's already working. Causeofamerica.org. So that's the first step. Get organized. This is a big mistake. You know, I'm the same way and I made all these mistakes at the beginning. I thought I could save the country by going and talking to all these leaders. Nope. You need a team. You need a local team. There's a lot of work to do. Don't think you can do it all yourself. You got to have a team. So that's the second thing. Get organized. You got to implement a plan and every county is a little different. You need to know where do you stand? Do we have these commissioners online? Do we have the judge online? Who do we have? You have to come up with a local strategy and then you have to implement that plan. And then you got a lot of work to do. And here's the key idea that most people don't realize. Everybody, I know I'm guilty of it too. We all think we can get evidence and then we win. And I got to tell, I just have to tell you, it is not about evidence. It is about a movement. We won in Shasta County, not with the evidence, but we needed the evidence to build the movement. Once you have the movement, then you can win. Let me just kind of summarize what I mean by that. We went out and knocked on doors. We did the research. We found over 300 cases of fraud. What do I mean by fraud? Not dirty voter rolls, not too many people in the rolls. No, people who are dead who voted. People who moved away years ago and are voting in another state who voted. And we proved each of those cases. When you have actual fraud in your hand, you're not quoting Dr. Frank. You are finding it yourself with your own hands. That empowers you locally. You get the sheriff to validate it. You get the county clerk to validate it. You get one of the commissioners to validate it. And I just talked to one of your commissioners last night. You have an in with him. You're going to be able to show him the actual fraud. And that's that's what we start. Now, the other thing is, don't do that by yourself. I got to tell you, I was with your uh, gals, uh, three, three counties up in northern um, Texas about a month ago. They thought they were all ready to go to the sheriff and get validation. Nope. They only had about a third as much as they thought they had. There's a lot to this. Don't relearn the lessons. Engage us. Let us help you. It's all free. I don't charge for being here. None of us do. We're all volunteering. and we're trying to win the country back. So anyway, do the work. There's a lot of work to do. And then you got to build a movement because that's how we win. So right from the beginning of your work, you need to think, I'm in this to build a movement. You're going to win when the ladies are can't, are picketing in front of each of the commissioner's houses. They hate that. You camp out in front of their houses. You camp out in front of the, the local civic buildings. Are you kidding? They hate that. You, you, you follow them to work. You, you watch, you watch them pick up their children at school with picket signs. They hate that. But this is a war. This is a war. People have died so you can have this and you're going to, you're going to worry about being a little offensive. Yeah. Well, what are they doing to you? Okay. They're mutilating your children and raising your taxes and, 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 and stealing your communities. What are you going to do? Oh, I might offend them. Good. Get busy. All right. Let's, let's get busy offending them. Okay. This is America. Stop being a bunch of weenies. Get some stones like, you know, like David had. So there you go. All right. So in other words, step six is we're going to review your progress. You bring in the experts from around the country. Let us go over your data and coach you on what we found works and what doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera. There are lots of good strategies that work and lots of strategies that sound good at first that fail. Don't repeat the same mistakes everybody else has made. Come talk to us. 
we're, we're here for free. We're here to help you. And then the last thing is local empowerment. So local empowerment is when you can go to the, um, the commissioners and then you can put them on the spot and everybody knows. Guess what, Mr. Commissioners? You're, you know, you get the three minutes each to testify. Well, this first three minutes, we list all these dead people who voted. In the next three minutes, we list all these dead people who voted. In the next three minutes, we list all these people who don't live here anymore who voted. You get, you're calling out names now, right? You're not just saying, oh, the death rate, the death rate is higher in our county this month. No, you're delivering bodies on the floor right in front of everybody to see. It embarrasses the tar out of them and they quit. That's what we did in Shasta. Two of the five commissioners quit. We replaced them. The first thing they did is voted out the machines. Okay. Next thing they did, voted out the rolls. And then they're, now they're doing hand tallying. You should see the state of California is in panic right now. Oh, we only need one county. Why don't you be the first county? You only need one county to say we're going to do that. This legislature in California is freaking out. They're trying to pass new laws, all emergency laws to stop all the other counties from backing out. We've got five more counties right on the edge in California. How come so successful in California? Because they're under a communist government and they're already suffering and they're awake. You're asleep. Yes. Okay. Well, you got to wake up. Okay. You don't know you're asleep. All right. Have I beat you up enough? Okay. Good. Oh, please. All right. That, that gets you connected to Cause of America. But if you, if you want to, I've got that QR code here. You just come up and click on it later and get you connected. All right. Oh, there they are. Those are the three counties. And I'm trying to get you guys to start too. You guys have, a, you have more than what you need already. You, you, this will be very easy here if you just get, get organized and make it happen. Follow the seven steps. I already told the story about last night about Louisiana and how, we hacked into all their machines. I told that last night. You've already heard that there's their national networks. All the machines are connectable and manipulatable. I told you that already. I told you there's news around the country. Hey, there's a stranger. Well done. It's a pleasure to be with you wherever you wherever you are. Anyway, uh, yeah, California. I already told you that I'm a crackpot math teacher from Ohio. They never mentioned the fact that you know I'm a scientist and have a PhD in surface electronic analytical chemistry and cover articles in leading journals in the world and all that stuff. That's okay. Also, I'm wearing my Texas bow tie. So you must like me, right? All right, here we go. All right, that's enough. This is, Mike asked me to come back to this point. So I want to remake this point with you. I made this point last night. Last year, I spent a month analyzing the California elections. For last 20 years, I analyzed every ballot cast in that state, right down to the address of that, of where that person lived. And my, the objective of my study, I was doing a scientific study where I have control. I didn't want to know which machines were in which county. I wanted to just analyze precinct by precinct what, how the elections were going. And I was going to try to see if I could figure out which precincts had the most fraud. And then after I did all my fraud analysis in every single precinct in California, then I said, now let me compare which machines go with which precincts. And guess what? They're all equally bad. They're all equally bad. There isn't one that's worse than the other. The point, the reason why it's bad is not because of which machine you use. I mean, does it matter whether it's a Dell computer or an HP computer or an IBM computer? No, they're all networked. That's the problem. The problem with your elections is they're all centrally controlled by the state. You're not controlling them locally. It's your own place. So I, I wanted to reemphasize that. And I, in my talk at the, um, at my talk at the Moment of Truth Summit, uh, last year, I, I, I showed how I could predict everything um, in, in Placer County. I could tell you how many Republicans voted in every precinct, plus or minus one, out of hundreds. I can tell you how many Democrats voted in every precinct, plus or minus one. I can tell you how many non-Republicans, non-Democrats voted. I can tell you by age in every precinct. It's preposterous. And I could go county by county over and over again. It's just ridiculous that I could predict the whole state. Why? Because it's centrally controlled.
cool. The other thing uh, I mentioned, if you haven't seen this movie, please see this movie, selectioncode.com. Uh, Professor uh, Walter there, he, he's featured in that movie. It's a good movie. It's about Tina Peters. Um, it's got, uh, he talks about the two databases and he explains that really nicely, how it's working with two databases. And then uh, I'm in that movie, but just like like little cameos. It's just really short. But that's because I'm the one who red-pilled Tina Peters. Uh, I, I've been working at this for a while. But anyway, then the New York Times did their hit piece. I already talked about all this. I'm just quickly reviewing for people who weren't here last night. John, uh, Sean Smith calls me the uh, Johnny Appleseed of election integrity. And I really like that idea because what it means is I'm going around the country everywhere I go uh, planting seeds. But what I'm really doing is starting little bonfires everywhere I go. And then I throw, come back and throw gasoline on them. And so I'm welcome to come back here. You just invite me back. I don't charge. Just pay for my plane ticket. I'm here. Okay. And, uh, and, I, and then one last thing on that idea. When I heard Johnny Appleseed, I went and looked him up. I hadn't um, thought of him since I was a little boy. And I went and looked it up and I found this Disney movie and Johnny Appleseed was singing the song. The Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and rain and an apple seed. Remember that song? Some of you know that song. And the fact is that was Disney. Yeah, That was Disney. And that was Disney before I disappeared into academics and science and business. And for 40 years, I was busy having a great life playing golf on the weekends with my wife and raising kids and inventing and everything. And then I came out in 2020. What happened to my country? It's gone. Okay. My country is gone. So who's guilty? I am guilty. You're guilty. We were asleep for the last few generations. And you know, I have two, I have three kids. My oldest daughter, Nellie, she has Down syndrome. She's just happy as a get. She's lucky. And then, and then, and then my two younger sons, they're 23 and 21. I explain all this stuff. They're conservative guys. They're fabulous young people. My middle boy, he's studying for the ministry. My youngest is a church musician. Great guys. They understand what I say. They believe what I say, but they don't get it. You know why? They've never experienced anything but this. You and I have. Guess whose job it is to fix this mess? You and I. Okay. Everybody says, "Oh, what are we going to do? Get, what are we going to do to get the young people involved?" They don't. They're not believers like we are. They don't realize what we've lost. Okay. We. I mean, they might understand it intellectually, but we know. We feel it. We experienced it directly. So anyway, that's what we got to do. We got to get our country back. Yep. Already mentioned. I'm a scientist. Uh, I'm a terrorist. <laughs> Mike Lindell made this movie about me called Scientific Proof, where I talk about a lot of statistics. So if you want to see that, you see I'm going through this quickly because I want to get to the good stuff. I got to give the keynote speech for the president. Um, don't believe the news. Um, I was the Cyber Symposium MC I, last year at the Moment of Truth. We have something big coming up this year in Missouri. Don't li look this up, lindellevent.com. That's going to be in August. Mike's going to be launching a whole new thing that allows everybody in the country to participate in um, finding election fraud. And you can see that stuff on Lindell TV uh, for free. Mike pays for all that himself. Um, and he, please buy his pillows. I've been sleeping on one. Yes, sir. Just trash, Dan Bongino. Dan Bongino's a good guy. Good. That's what I was Dan Bongino left Fox on his own. Did you notice? Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Thanks a lot for fixing me, Mike. Yeah, don't Tucker's not your friend. Let's go ask me about it later. Uh, there are a lot of people that you think are your friend. I just want to ask, just when you because of who I, who I am and what I've been doing for the last couple of years, I get to hang out with a lot of people. 
uh, up close and personal, and they're not who you think they are. I just want you to learn one concept. When you look at somebody on television or hear somebody on the radio, that's somebody choosing what you are hearing. That's somebody choosing what you are seeing. Who's making those choices? What are they trying? What are they trying to get you to think about somebody? That's an important thing because I meet them in person and they aren't who I think. And I got my impressions the same way you did. And uh, some of these people are not our friends. All right. So good. I'm, I've already shown you that. Okay. I promised to give you uh, some descriptions about how this seven steps is working around the country. So I wanted to do that a little bit tonight. Hopefully I'm going fast. I knew I went through that first stuff really fast, but I spent a lot of time on it last night. So in Wisconsin, we're trying to get all of the counties above Highway 29 to go all paperless. We've got six so far. Okay, We're trying to get them all. How are we doing that? We show them emails from Milwaukee. From the county clerk of Milwaukee, writing to her fellow colleagues, they, the emails say this. I need you all to come in tomorrow. This was a Friday. She was writing this. I need you to all come in tomorrow on Saturday because we're going to fail our audit. This is right after the 2020 election. We're going to fail our audit because we've received 120,000 more ballots than we sent out. All of these counties combined are are only 100,000 ballots. So in other words, the amount of fraud, one type of fraud in one county disenfranchises them from their their state voice and their national voice. So I just say to them, why do you want to be in this system? And they say, we don't. We'll get out then. And they say, well, how do we get out? And the way we figured it out, and this is why I'm bringing it up to you, is we have teams. We put together a team. One of the people on the team is a researcher. We want you to read your state laws. We want you to read your county laws. We want you to know your law better than your clerk knows it because your clerks don't know the laws. I'm telling you right now, they don't. You will know it better than them. And they'll say, well, we have to do this. Well, it says right here in state law. No, it doesn't. Walter was just explaining to me a minute ago how, you know, the people at the polls don't know the laws. He has to bring out the law and say, no, no, you're doing this wrong. It's supposed to says right here in the law. Your clerks don't know the law. You need to know it better than they do. That gives empowers you in your in local community. So I think I think I've done enough there. Well, anyway, in the law, one of the laws that they have in the state, which we uncovered, is that it says it says any municipality or county with seventy five hundred or less, they don't have to use the machines. Right in their state law. So all they have to do is just decide to get out of it, and they can. It's awesome. Colorado is another example. It's I I chose these counties over here. All these small red counties. I know that you guys have about, you know, 600,000 uh, registered, something like that in your neighbor, in your neighborhood, 250,000 voters. It's going to be tough in a bigger county because th- they tend to be blue and run by blue people and not your friend kind of people. But the smaller red counties, the officials are more accountable to the, to the local people. And so we have more success. So I always start in the small red counties, get a whole bunch of bonfires going. But it, it also what it exposes, like, for example, up here in Phillips County, they only have 1,500 voters. That's it, 1,500 voters. And we we knocked in on doors and one Saturday afternoon found about 15 cases of fraud. We showed them to the county clerk and she burst into tears. Dr. Frank, I've been doing this for 30 years. 30 years ago, we had 1,500 voters. Today, we have 1,500 voters. 30 years ago, it took me three days to get the election ready. Everybody showed up on election day. They showed me the photo ID. We counted the ballots. I did the paperwork the next day. That was it. She says, now it takes months of preparation. The machine never work right. They cost us a fortune. I'm on the phone. It's like a printer that never works right. She says, nothing's transparent. I don't understand how it works. It takes me three weeks of paper after work, paperwork afterwards. Everybody hates me. How do we get rid of these machines? And I said, why did you get them in the first place? You obviously didn't need them. She says, we didn't want them. So we told the state we can't afford them. So they gave them to us. 
Why would the state give you machines? They want central control of it. That's the point. Okay. So anyway, that's a good story. All right. Uh, and I always tell people, stop trying to escape this. There isn't a safe place left in the country to escape to. There's this lovely retired sheriff up here in Sanders County, Montana, where they have 12,000 people in their county. And they just had a, a their 70-30 conservative county. And they just had an election, elected four out of four of screaming liberal superintendents of school, you know, school board people. And they're like, what's going on here? And he was a retired sheriff from the state of Oregon. He came out of retirement because he said, he said to me, Dr. Frank, the exact same stuff that was happening in Oregon is now happening in, in Montana. He says, we need your help. Come on. So I've been up there and we're working with teams. I've actually got a bunch more counties here down here too. I go, go typically go county by county. And you guys have what, 254 counties? I think this is something big. All right. California, I already told you about California. Uh, Virginia, I've got a bunch of sheriffs together. Why, why sheriffs? Why sheriffs? So people don't know this, but sheriffs have more authority than any other person in the country, in your county, except for one person, and that's the coroner. In other words, the sheriff in your county can arrest the president of the United States if he's in town. The sheriff in your county can kick the feds out. The sheriff in your county can tell the secretary of state to go pound sand. The, second, the sheriff has more authority in your county than any other person. So if you can get the sheriff in your county on board, you're in. And I just tell you one quick on that. There's a county in the state of Washington that we've got to go all paper. And the people were saying, well, what if the secretary of state says this? Or what if the governor says that? And they were expressing all these worries. And finally, the sheriff just kind of got fed up and he just stood up and he says, they can all say anything they want. I got the keys to the building. See how that works? The sheriff has the sheriff has the authority. So and that's you elect the sheriff for that purpose. The sheriff is the one that interposes himself to defend you against the tyranny of government. That's why that office exists. OK, I get the point. Um, another thing I just want to reiterate that I mentioned last night, and I get to get into some data with you, I think, um, is that everybody wants to clean the voter rolls. And I just want to tell you, please don't do that. Please don't waste your time on that right now. The problem isn't that the rolls are dirty. The problem is that the rolls are centrally controlled and that they're accessible by other people. And I'll just give you one example of that. When I was working in the state of Pennsylvania, I had access to anything I wanted. I worked, was working there in early December, a team of six people. It's the only full forensic audit in the country. Anything I asked for, I got to have. And so I noticed some funny business in the rolls about a month before the election. We, when we looked into it, we found out that they'd added 50,000 people to the rolls in about a month before the election who all voted. And then 25,000 of them were removed at the end of November and another 25,000 were removed in December. And so I asked for a copy of the voter rolls and I'm um, of the logs that the state keeps on all those manipulations. And we could, we could prove that it happened. So we went to the secretary of state, uh, book far of Pennsylvania said, why are you removing those voters? They voted. And her answer was they moved away. And she's right. They did 10 years before. Okay. So they'd been added back into the rolls. Ballots were stuffed for them and then they removed them afterwards. Do you understand? And so in other words, it's not that the rolls are dirty or not. It's that other people have access to the voter rolls. And Mike asked me to tell you about the story. Um, uh, Michigan, because that's the one you want, you want me to talk about. You remember how on election night, how the, the election stopped? That's because the bad guys didn't know where they stood. The way this is working is before the elections, they make sure the rolls are full of all kinds of people who are not really real voters. During the election, the machines are reporting 
online what the tallies are. The machines are reporting who's voted, who's not voted, and and some other funny businesses going on too. But all that is happening during the election. And then after the election, they do cleanup. What if during the election, nobody had access to the machines? And let me give you an example of what that means. Let's say I give you my phone number and you all start calling me. I could never use my phone, could I? Because my phone, every time I, I, I can't dial out, it's constantly coming in, right? That's called a denial of service attack, a DOS attack for short. Computer people run into this. What if someone launched a denial of service attack on our election machines? Well, then nobody would know what was going on in our election, would they? We'd be blind. That's what happened in 2016, by the way, and that's why Trump won, because they couldn't cheat enough. They didn't know where they stood, but they learned the lesson in 2020. So what did they do? They unplugged the machines to reset the denial of service attack so that they knew where they stood. And then they went, whoa, we're behind. We're behind in Michigan. We're behind in Georgia. We're behind in all these places, right? In Wisconsin. So then when you plug the machine back in, that's why suddenly in Michigan, it goes straight up, the CVRs. So wait a minute, there's 156 thousand new voter IDs in Michigan that suddenly got added to the rolls who all voted for Biden. Who are those people? So I was in that lawsuit too. I'm telling you, I'm always in the right place at the right time. So I was in that lawsuit and we subpoenaed the list of names. All these brand new voter IDs appeared who all voted at 10.56 p.m. So we asked the Secretary of State, the judge ordered her to give us the list of the names and addresses for those 156,000 new people. We wanted to go knock on those doors and meet these people okay, who all voted after the polls closed. Uh, and we wanted to go, we wanted to go meet those people. And she agreed. She said to the judge, yes, I agree. I will provide that list, but it's going to take us two years to prepare the list. Okay. You see where this is going? By the way, four hours later, after they re returned the election back on, you could, they, we have videotape. It was printed, presented evidence of the truck backing up to the building and of the pallets of ballots being brought in that recount, uh, that matched the votes that were already voted. So in other words, the ballots were voted before the ballots were even brought in. And, and that's why I always tell people, don't try to get recounts. I really discourage people from getting recounts because all it does is add fuel to the people that think we're a bunch of wing nuts. They say, oh yeah, see, we did a recount in Maricopa. You know, we did a recount and it came out right. It's within 400, 2.1 million ballots. All you need to know about Maricopa, you just need to, I mean, all, there's been great work done by a lot of people, but really keep it easy. Keep it simple, stupid. All you need to know is when they brought out the 1,575 boxes that had those 2.1 billion ballots in it. All you need to know is only 50 of the boxes still had their seals intact. All the rest of the seals have been broken. Sound familiar? Okay, he showed me an example here in your own county, in your own county where that happened in your last election, that there, uh, one of the ballot boxes showed up and the seals were broken on it. It's called you've lost chain of custody. Why would you bother recounting a bunch of ballots? It doesn't matter how many times you count, count them or how you count them. You can count them with machines. You can count them by hand. You can count them on one leg. I don't care. The point is they're not the real ballots from the real people. That's the problem. That's why you have to do the count local right in front of your face in your own precinct where everybody's policing it. Will there still be fraud? Of course. As long as there are elections, there's going to be fraud. But right now, the way your election is set up is I can hack into your elections from Ohio and manipulate your elections. If it was locally controlled on paper, I have to send somebody in to do the dirty work, don't I? And it's a lot easier to police and protect. Okay, good. All right, I've got to get out of here. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead. I think I already made that point. I need to tell you another story. I like telling you stories because it's a, it's a quick way to teach you something. Here it is, Wisconsin. I'm going to get to you too. So in Wisconsin, I was invited to give a secret meeting with Speaker Boss. How am I doing on time? Do I have 30 minutes? 
40 minutes. I was invited to a secret meeting with Speaker Robin Voss. It was um, it was arranged by a local citizen. It was me, Sean Smith. Anybody know who Sean Smith is? Retired Air Force Colonel. He retired in 2019, and the Air Force kept him on another year. He just wanted to retire and have babies, get married and have babies. He's serving our country. He retired. He was at the Pentagon. He was in charge of operational testing for the Air Force. That means he's in charge of all, making sure all the devices work right in a war situation and making sure that they're not cyber hackable etc etc he's an expert at all that stuff he travels around with me a lot of times and he just he can hack into everybody's machines right in front of their face it's just it's a great thing but anyway so it was me it was sean and john eastman who by coincidence i'm going to be testifying for on friday in california he's being sued right now by california they're trying to disbar him he's a constitutional scholar so i'm a, i'm a scientist data guy sean's a technical cyber guy and john eastman is the constitutional guy our job was to meet with robin voss speaker of the house of wisconsin I'm going to, Sean showed him how vulnerable he was, kind of like what just, what what Walter and and Clint did. And then I show him how much fraud there is, which I'll show you here in a second. And then Johnny's going to say, well, and here's your obligation, Mr. Speaker. This is what authority you have, and this is what you need to do. So that was the plan. So Sean did great. Then it was my turn. And about 10 minutes, 10 minutes into my presentation, he interrupted me. He said, Dr. Frank, he says, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think we have as much fraud as you're saying we have. I said, well, why do you think that? He says, because we've done recounts in our three largest counties. And in our three largest counties, all those recounts come out right. So I said to him, sir, doesn't matter how many times you count the cash in the cash register. What matters is how many of the bills are counterfeit. Okay, you understand. And you can just see his eyes get big. It's like, oh, it's like he like understood, right? And and the, the other stuff, and I'll show you that in a second. But I got just want to tell you that he walked out of that meeting that was supposed to be a secret meeting. And somebody had leaked and there were 10 television stations ready there to ambush him. And he admitted to everybody, to the world, that there's widespread fraud in the state of Wisconsin more than the margins. Did you hear that? If you didn't hear that, you're listening to the wrong news. You need to listen to the Lindell Report. It's weeknights at 6 o'clock Central Time. Uh, Mike Lindell comes on every night and, and, and blurts it out. He's he's great at that. The first 10 minutes, you'll know what's going on in the country in terms of election reform. He's very excited, as you know, and he'll come out and tell you everything that's going on. He's When I call him up and tell him stuff, he's like, oh, I want you on the program tonight. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I got a presentation tonight. I'm not available. And he's like, okay, well, I'll tell everybody. So you got you got to tune into the Lindell report. Anyway, and and then I told that story to Mike the other day, and he gave me he gave me fifty dollars. Really nice guy, gave me fifty bucks. He says, here's fifty dollars. Go trade those for a fifty dollar bill for somebody. And I said, oh, that's awfully nice of you. And then I looked at the backside. That's a nice metaphor, isn't it? Thank you for the thank you for the gift. I'll use that in my talks. Uh, but basically, it's the same idea. It doesn't matter how many times you count those bills. What matters is which ones are counterfeit. It's the same with your ballot. So don't fall into the trap of trying to get recounts. They're very seldom. A few exceptions, but most of the times they, they don't help you. This is what I wanted to talk mostly about with you today. And that's the way what's happening is they're manipulating the voter rolls. Remember how I just told you in Pennsylvania, how they added people at the last minute. So anyway, I showed this to Robin Voss, Speaker Voss. This is a graph. It goes from 2009 to 2021. I presented it formally in evidence under oath before the, before their legislature on December 8th, 2021. And this is like three days of work for me to compile all these data. What are they? 
it shows you the number of people in their three largest counties who are registered to vote. And you'll notice, and it's shown on a percentage scale. You'll see why in a minute. It's because, you know, they're hard to show them all on an absolute scale. You can't see county by county. So I put them on a percentage scale. So you notice that right before 2012, the rolls surge. People vote and they take people out. They actually take voters out of the rolls. Before the 2014 election, not so much. Right before 2016, the rolls fill right back up again. And then after 2016, they take out a fourth, a fourth of their voters. A fourth of their voters removed from the rolls. And they're all back again by 2020. And so I showed that to, to Speaker Voss. And he, he looked at it and he said, oh, Dr. Frankie says, those three counties, they have a lot of turnover. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what he said. And I said, well, what about all your counties? <laughs> Do you see why it took me three days? It's a lot of work. And basically, I put that into testimony. It made the cover of newspapers all over the state because they had been told in the state that you couldn't have widespread fraud in Wisconsin because every county runs their own election. Does that look like every county is running their own independent election? No way. That's their roles. And they're all centrally controlled and centrally manipulated. You get the point? And so that, that was that, that like drove a spike in that argument. It's it, you can't you, you, you're not going to have good elections. Every county in Wisconsin is like that. OK, but now now I'm going to make another point to you. So when I go to Wyoming, people say, why are you here, Dr. Frank? Eight out of nine of us are registered Republican. We voted for Trump. Everything's good here. All right. Let's look at their voter rolls. Here's their voter rolls for their three largest counties since 2008 to 2024, month by month. Nobody had seen this before until I made it in January um, uh, this year. I, I guess it was the end of December. I was getting ready. I was. I showed it to them in January. Here's all their counties. Every county, same pattern. And guess what? Every two years, every two years, they're oscillating 25%. I didn't even know this was happening. Their own clerks don't even know this is happening to them. So I just come into town and just show them their own data. And they're like, what? That's happening? Yes, sir. This is public data, but it takes days to download it all for me, right? I mean, I, I'm a good programmer and I write little scraping routines to scrape data, but it's all in different formats and everything. So you have to write all these filters and organize. It's a lot of work. But yes, every bit of this is public. What's happening with the staff? Before the election, they're filling up the election. Why are they going up and down? What? They're putting people into the roles who vote and then they're taking them out afterwards. Why are they out? So you don't know who they are. So you don't know who they are. So you don't know. And that's why, by the way, none of the roles reconcile around the country. Are you getting it? The point is the roles are centrally controlled. You're not in control of your own roles locally, which is what you need. Yeah. When they remove somebody, they also remove the address and the background. They, they remove everything about them out of the roles. Yes. I, I, oh my God. And that's what they do. And and that happens all, I'm going to tell you, every state this is happening. And it's it's crazy. Yes, dear. Who's doing that? Who are the they? Okay. So I'm just going to tell you the answer now. I'm just going to tell you the answer. Okay. The answer is when I was in Pennsylvania, I got access to the logs, right? I got to see who logged into the rolls and added the voters. I got to see who logged in and removed the voters. 80%, 80% of the manipulation was being done by the Hillary Clinton campaign. I know when I say that, it's just like I couldn't believe it myself when I saw it. So I went and I talked to uh, the other 20%. It was almost all um, smaller uh, NGOs, uh, Rock the Vote and stuff like that. But I went to the, the senator I was working for in Pennsylvania. I said, I don't understand. I said, this is 2020 election. What's the Hillary Clinton campaign doing logging into your roles, making manipulation? I don't understand this. I'm confused. And he 
said, oh, I know what it is. In 2015, and this is all in the media, you can go look it up. In 2015, we hired the Hillary Clinton campaign, the state of Pennsylvania did, to write an API. Computer guys know what an API is. To write an API that made it easy for us to register people to vote at rock concerts and football games and dorms and whatnot. And they still have their login credentials, which give them back-end access to the roles. Computer guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It's if you get, it's like a back door. They have a back door, and they're not the only ones with the back door. About 30 different NGOs were logging in and making changes to the roles. And we found all those. It's crazy. In other words, they've given away control. But now, before you think, well, we're not going to give away control, what did what did you just learn? You can't secure a computer. Every computer is hackable. Every system is hackable. All you need to know is the back door. And those back doors have been known in our state systems for a long time. All right. That's why she was convinced she won in 2016. Yes. But we beat the cheat that time. We beat the cheat because because a group of white hat hackers did a denial of service attack, denied them the information they needed to know how much to stop. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. So essentially, in a nutshell, then how they're stealing our elections is they inflate the data, they state they uh, inflate the databases ahead of time. Make sure you have plenty of people, more people than you need. Uh, it gives you a credit line of phantom voters. And, you know, this is what people need to remember is for four years, we were listening to the Democrats screaming from the hilltops that our elections were hacked, right? This isn't a Republican Democrat issue. This is a, a stupid idea. I'm a computer programmer. If you come to my house, you'll see my entire basement is 2,500 square foot electronics lab. I build electronics for a living. I don't trust anything electronic and I build it for a living because I put chips in my circuits that allow me to control them when they're in another country. Okay. I do that on purpose so that I can support my customers. Duh. That's the way you build electronics nowadays. Everything is connected. Anyway, my, my point. During the election, the, the data machine, database machines are hacked and tracked. There's manipulation of votes and voters. I love, if you watch a selection code, um, doc, the doctor explains it very well. He talks about how they keep two sets of books and they've, they've obviously changed the files because they've lost the hash files that allow you to verify that they're real the whole nine yards. So that's happening during the election. And then after the election, you do cleanup. And I've just given you a couple of examples of the cleanup. All right. All of that is out of your control. That's the problem. You need to be in control locally of all of that. And so, in other words, just the machine's stupid. And you saw 2,000 mules, right? So this is kind of an answer to your, to your they question. So the sheriffs in Arizona have been arresting these guys. Okay, they, they arrest these mules, right? And I saw an article the other day. It was funny. It was titled, they're arresting the mules and they're singing like canaries. <laughs> funny. They arrest the mules. The mules say, yeah, I got the ballot out at that NGO, that non-government organization down there. The sheriffs go to the NGO. They arrest those people. And what? And they say 80% of the ballots they're getting are from the post office or the printers. And then the other 20% are organic harvesting. And to give you an example of what organic harvesting is, is in California. I just came from there the other day. In Los Angeles, the, the street value for a ballot is 200 bucks. And they mail ballots to everybody. In Orange County, the street value is 100 bucks. So if you just get in your car and follow follow the USPS truck, you see the postman put a ballot in, you wait till it goes around the corner, you take it out. You just do that for a couple hours, collect a couple dozen ballots, go down to the NGO, and they pay you cash on the spot, right? Pretty nice. Pretty good arrangement. Yeah, this is called organic harvesting. Now, I, love, I have a love-hate re relationship with this movie. 
I love it because I've been telling everybody about stuffing forever. But when you see it, you believe it. There's something about seeing it. So I love that. But I also hate something about this movie. And I've debated it with Dinesh and he's explained what, what is going on. But I hate it because this isn't the fraud. This is the symptom. These are just drug addicts, homeless people, they do single moms trying to make an extra buck, right? These, that's, they're getting paid 10 bucks a piece for stuffing these. Okay. The real fraud is who got the ballots? Who filled them out? Who's figuring out which ballot, which names to use to stuff how? That's the real fraud. And those, that's who we need to be going after. So I asked Dinesh why he didn't talk about that. And there's a very simple answer and you'll completely understand. This movie was produced by Salem Radio. That's why the Salem Radio hosts were the ones that were in it. Uh, and you remember at the very beginning, Prager says, I'm agnostic on the topic of election fraud. Remember he said that? What a doofus. Anyway, he, um, it was a Salem radio produced movie and they didn't want to be sued by Dominion because Dominion was going around suing everybody. So they kept everything that all they do is show the stuffing. They don't label it. They don't tell anybody. They never say the word fraud or, or maybe they do. I don't remember, but they keep, they don't make any accusations. They're just staying under the radar. And, and that's why that was that way. Okay. All right. The key idea about ballot stuffing is you, every ballot has to be assigned to a voter in the rolls. You need to understand every ballot that comes in has to be assigned to a voter in the rolls. And if you don't have enough voters, like in Michigan, you just add some more. Okay. I told you that story. Now let's jump, let's jump ahead. Oh, no, I promised I would talk about this because you guys are ESNS. So you, I can't believe you trust ESNS. They lie all the time. So here's an, here, this is an article from 2020. In 2020, 33,000 machines were shipped by ESNS to customers all over the country. 87 customers, I think it was. Yes, 89 customers. Um, fully equipped with modems. And they were ordered without the modems. But it takes work to take them out. They come standard with modems. So ESNS just turned them off with a password. Understand? So they ship them and then it's in the BIOS. Yeah, it's right there in the BIOS. They turn them off. They say they're turned off, but you need a password to get into the BIOS. So who has the password? The the people who have the passwords are the vendors and the secretaries of states. The local clerks don't even have the passwords, so they, they can't even get in there. But if you know the password and there's an IDRAC or a, or an I, uh, or, or what was the other one? I-L-O-I-L-O. If you've got that chip on the board, you just log in and update the BIOS. That's what it's there for. That's why it's on the board in the first place to allow remote uh, updating of, of the BIOS, etc. And so it's like it's like built right in, perfect fraud. That's why you should never use computers to run an election. But anyway, they were shipped. And when the EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, discovered it was brought to their attention, they did discover it, it was brought to their attention, they required ESNS to notify 19 customers that they're um, th th including you, that your, elect that your machines had modems in it. Some states took action immediately, like North Carolina. I've spoken to those people. The state of North Carolina required ESNS to come in and remove the modems from all their machines. I've seen copies of the work orders. Do you guys have any work orders? Oh, how do you know whether you have any of these machines or not? There's only one way to know. And, and Walter was showing me earlier, you have to take the cover off and you have to get around and look at the inside of the board. And there's no way to do that without really getting in there and tearing into that. And it's not an easy thing to see. So you have to do that. Okay. I guess another way, and this is one of my favorite things to do. I carry this sensor with me. It's an EMF sensor. I carry it with me and I offer to clerks. I say, how do you know you didn't get one of the machines that has, has a modem in it? And they say, oh, we don't, we ordered it without it. And I said, well, you know, they shipped them with them, you know, why don't we turn your machine on and let's just see. And I'll turn my little sensor on. And if, if there's any radio frequency coming
coming out of this, I'll be able to measure it. When I was in North Carolina offering this, they brought in the sheriff. They wouldn't even let me in the building. No clerk has ever let me near their machines with this sensor. They're afraid I'm going to find it. Even though I've offered dozens of clerks, no way. They don't want me because they're telling everybody, oh, no, our machines don't have modems. Well, what if I find it? They, they, they must be a little not sure, huh? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Anyway, so I had to talk about that. That's ESNS. One more thing about ESNS. Oh, yeah, the DS200, this is a, this is what the modem looks like. It's about size, maybe, the, the last joint of your thumb, something like that. It's a little board. It's a tellet modem. People say, well, it's not connected to with a wire, Dr. Frank, and it's not connected to our hotspot. It doesn't need to be. It's a tellet modem. It calls the cell tower. See how that works? Yeah. In Georgia, I wasn't going to talk about this, but in Georgia, if you haven't watched, did you watch Mike's movies? He's got, he's got uh, absolute proof, scientific proof. That's one of them. I mean, then he's got absolute interference. That third movie, Absolute Interference, the last 20 minutes, he interviews a kid where we, we protect his identity. We don't show you who he is. He works for a major telecom company. He was installing 5G in Georgia during the time of the 2020 election. And when, you know, what happens? He installs 5G at the top of the tower and then he tests it, makes sure it's working right. right? And then he noticed that there was all this communication coming from the polls. And it's like, wait a minute, they're not supposed to be having that kind of communication. So for the runoff election in Georgia, he planted five recording devices on at, next to five precincts and recorded the reporting that was going on during the election in five counties. I've sat, oh, he's so proud, young kid. I'm a teacher, so I love this sort of thing. We sat down at the dinner room table. He's showing me all of his equipment and all the stuff he measured. I mean, and it's, it's, it's like blatantly obvious. Voting machine number one, here's the tally. Voting number machine, here's the tally. In other words, the machines during the elections are reporting the tallies out on networks. So that way the bad guys know how many ballots to stuff. I mean, it's right there. It's not, this is not a hypothesis. This is, I've seen it with my own eyes. Understand? Okay, that's, I'm off topic, but you get the point. The other thing is that, and Lori Gallagher, I credit with this, she FOIA'd your uh, Secretary of State. Your Secretary of State, sorry, I can't read this very well, knew that your poll books were hacked before the election in 2020 and used them anyway. The EAC caught a huge problem with the public systems in your state, ESNS, not just yours, 19 states, and notified them. And ESNS says, we're not going to have it fixed in time for the election. Sorry. How, and yet you use that equipment anyway for the election. And you're Ingram. What's his name? Ingram? Knew anyway, Keith Ingram. He knew. There's proof he knew. We have dozens of emails following this change showing that going on. Anyway, I think I'm going to jump ahead. Have I made? I don't really need to make the point. These other two guys made the point great. Let's jump in a little more here. Okay, where do you guys fit in in the country? I can show you that 18 and older population in every state in America. And here you go. Oh, oh, oh I, oops. This is California, rats. Excuse me. I've, I've mis, misprepared this slide. Just uh, ignore these other numbers. Here you are, Texas, over here. Yes? You're a big state. So the, the blue curve is the number of people who are old enough to vote, not eligible, old enough to vote. The black curve is how many people there are registered in every state. And the red curve is how many people voted in every state in 2020. All of this is public data, all from the Secretary of State websites all over the country. Yes? If you look carefully, though, ignore that. If you look carefully, this, this slide, yes. If you look carefully, seven states have more people registered to vote than they have people. And it's not, oh, the Democrat states are bad and the Republican states are good. Kentucky has 105% of their people registered. They're red. Oregon has 105% of their people registered. They're blue. It's not about Democrat and Republican. It's about us, we the people versus state governments that now control our elections. That's the problem. Anyway, I was going to show where how you fit in in the country, though. By the way, I'm not the first person to figure that out. Judicial Watch has found 
353 counties that had more people in 29 states had more people in their voter rolls than they had people. They, that was dated October 16, 2020. We knew before the election we were in this situation. Okay. So just so you can kind of see where you fit in in the country, here is 50% to 120%. This is the percent of voting age people that are registered. On, and that should be between about 60 to 70%. That's what most clerks will tell you. If it's more than 100%, that's stupid. You can't have more people registered than you have people. And on this axis, I've got the percent of voting age people who voted. What percent are registered? What percent are voted? So imagine a situation where you have a low turnout and dirty rolls. There's, there's probably very little fraud in that, but it's dangerous because you have a lot of names in the rolls that could be used for fraud. Or imagine a situation where you have really clean rolls and a high turnout. That's good. That's good. That's America. We want clean rolls and a high turnout. What you don't want is to be along the diagonal. You don't want the rolls getting dirtier and dirtier and more and more ballots coming in. That's a problem. Okay. So where is everybody? Yeah. See, see, I told you I can make the math easy. Good, bad. Okay. Here are the seven states, seven states that have more people registered than people. Maine, Vermont, Michigan, Michigan, New Hampshire, Alaska, Kentucky, North Dakota. And more people in their voter rolls than they have voting age people. You notice that's not eligible. That's voting age, right? You have a lot of people older than 18 in Texas who are not eligible, right? You have a lot of Ill illegal aliens here, okay? Here's the rest of the country. And when I first saw this, I was a little surprised to see Texas down here, California over there. But remember, my denominator is 18 and older people, not eligible 18 and older people. And I can compensate for that. By the way, Oregon just took all of their inactive voters and made them active. So that gives you eight states. They mail a ballot to everybody in their rolls. Okay. If you've got 20 to 30% of the people in the rolls that don't belong there and you're mailing ballots out, you're just flooding, flooding the market with more than enough ballots to cheat with. It's, it's, ridiculous. You can change any election. And California, if you change if you change the denominator to what the Secretary of State says is the number of eligible voters, in other words, take out the illegals, that moves that's them telling us that. It moves California from there up to there. Okay, now I believe it, right? This is a lot of fraud there. Well guess what we're going to do the same thing for you here in Texas. And that's where you are right in there. So you're getting way too high of a registration rate. You should be down in here. You're probably got 20 to 30% too many people in your roles. Um, and there's a reason for that because people die, people move away. And you're adding people faster than you're cleaning up your roles. So your roles are just going to continue growing. So anyway, you can see where you are in the country. Let's look at Texas. Here is your vote. Here's your voter rolls for your whole state of Texas. I showed this last night, but I, I, I hope if I got 10, 15, how many more do I got, Mike? Oh man, I'm kicking butt. I'm doing great. I have lots of time because I, I want to show you some stuff. Okay. Yeah. So here's your population going up. This is from, this is your voting age population since 1970 in Texas. And you notice this kind of standing. Your voter rolls, though, they look like they don't really follow that very well, do they? And right now, your voter rolls are growing faster than your population. See that? Your voter rolls are growing faster than your population. That's every state in the country. That's not just you. Every state in the country, the voter rolls are growing faster. You know why? Counties aren't in charge of the voter rolls anymore. And if you go to the county and you say, our rolls are dirty, they'll say, blame the state. If you go to the state and say, your rolls are dirty, they'll say, blame the county. Whose job is it to clean the voter rolls? Yours. You didn't even know that, did you? Remember in the old days, you went to the polls, you stood in line. And if, you know, and if uh, a friend is sitting next to me and he doesn't look familiar, maybe he looks like a foreigner. 
I might say, hey, that guy, he can't vote here. I'm policing my own roles, aren't I? And then he says, yeah, I'm a citizen. So he fills out a provisional ballot. We go to court. The judge says, hey, Doug, you're wrong. This guy's a citizen. He gets to vote. And then you count the vote. Whose job was it? It was us policing the roles because we were policing the elections. Nobody's doing that anymore. The county blames the state. The state blames the county. It's a mess. We were the ones who were supposed to be doing that. See the problem? That's how they're trying to sell you, Eric, which is don't do that. Okay, but get the point. This is the number of people who have voted in every one of your elections. And you notice that your voting is surging as well. So not only is your role, are your roles surging? Remember when I showed you that graph? What you don't want is dirtier and dirtier roles and more and more voting. That's a mistake, isn't it? Because you know you're stuffing more. And I always point out to people here, especially in Texas, look at this 2018. 2020 wasn't the only place with lots of fraud. 2018, you had more people voting in that midterm than all these other federals. Suddenly, you have a huge surge. And I like Seth Kessel. He's your neighbor here in Texas. He says... He says that was them conditioning you so you wouldn't notice the big jump in 2020. And people say, oh, Dr. Frank, that's because of Beto. Nope, that's in every single state in the country. Every single state has a huge surge like that in 2018 and ridiculous. And, I, and I've updated this graph. I'll show you here in a little more. Uh, let's see here. Let me show you a little more. Yes, this includes your 2022 election. So you're kind of back to normal, but not really. But you notice that your roles are still growing even as, as of the 2022 election. If I take out the ineligible voters... In other words, this was this is who your 18 and older population is, which is an interesting denominator, like the professor was showing you a minute ago. This is who is actually eligible to vote, according to your own secretary of state. You had everybody registered to vote in 2000. Do you believe that? No. You see what's going on? Your roles and, 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 and you notice that your population is it makes this even more obvious that that's surging. It's, it's surging. You're filling your roles with people who are not real voters. How is that happening? Did you know that whenever anybody goes to the DMV, the, uh, the motor vehicles, anybody changes their driver's license, they're automatically registered to vote. And it's an opt-out system. You have to say, no, I don't want to be registered to vote. If you're getting social services, it doesn't matter whether you're a citizen or not, they automatically register you to vote. That's why your roles are growing faster than your population, because you're making them dirtier and you're not doing a good job cleaning them either. Now, I can do this for every county, just like I did in the other states. This is month-to-month data since 1993. This is a lot of work. I must love you guys. Every single county, 254. Yes. Great job. Thanks. And, for example, notice that your population is level, and then suddenly started going up. Something happened in 2000, right around 2012, 2013. You know what it is, right? Motor voter. Exactly. That's when it kicked in in your state. You can see all your counties have, have an inflection. Now, I know it's hard to look at these small counties. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them on the same scale. That's just like it did in Wisconsin. I want to put them on a percentage scale so you can see the shape of every county. I think I'm just going to do the top big 10 because it's too, too much otherwise. Oh, yeah. I just wanted you to see the population of Harris County is actually flat out, but their roles are growing. I just use it as one example because it's easy to pick out, but I can do this for every one of your counties. I'll do it for your county in a second. Here's the top 10 largest counties. Um, you notice, notice what happened. They're all kind of just, look, as soon as, as soon as you pass motor voter, they all just started searching. That ain't natural. That's not 
registration rules tracking population. That's taking off unnaturally. I mean, I'm just showing you the top 10 counties because if I show you all 254, it's a mess. Okay. So this sort of way for me to show you, this is all, this is every county in your state sorted from highest to the lowest change in rate. All of the counties have been increasing the rate of growth in their roles relative to their population, except for a few of them. I just wanted to sort it so you could see. Um, I don't know. What did I say? Yes. 227 out of 254 of your counties, the rates have accelerated. So it's not just the big counties. A lot of times people say, well, yeah, we know what's happening in Dallas. We know what's happening over here in Harris. No, no, it's happening in almost all your counties. This is a, this is a statewide problem. Why is it a statewide problem? Because your roles are statewide centralized. Stop it. Okay. Let's look at Fort Bend. I showed this last night, but I got to show it again for those who weren't here last night. Here's it. Fort Bend population of, of voting age people, not eligible, voting age. That's not eligible. That's voting age since 1988. And you can notice that it's kind of steadily climbing. It looks pretty good. Maybe steadily climbing for the last 20 years, I'd say. And here's your voter rolls. And you can see little corrections being made all the time. Kind of like, kind of like uh, I showed you in the other states that they're corrected after each election. Hmm. Interesting how they remove those voters. But anyway, it'd be nice to look at, see who they removed, wouldn't it? And then this the red curve is how many people voted in every election. And you'll notice that before 2000, it was pretty tame. And then after 2000, it takes off. That's everywhere in the country, not just you. And look at your 2018 election. Ridiculous. So you're not exempt here either. A lot of times I'm telling, well, I shouldn't say a lot of times, every time I talk to a clerk, they'll say, oh yeah, lots of fraud in Wisconsin, lots of fraud in Georgia, but not here. So this is, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for me to say this. It is wonderful when you go canvassing yourselves and you find fraud yourselves. But let me just cover that real quick. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to connect you up with teams around the country who can help you, but I'll help you too. We give you a copy of your own voter rolls down to the precinct level, down to every address. And you're going to know everybody who voted in your election. Pretty close, pretty much. And then we're going to help give you ways to sort it, to make some of the anomalies stand out. And you go knock on those doors and you'll go up to the door and you'll say, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm Doug Frank from the election. Integrity Project of Texas. And it says here in the voter rolls that six people live here and five of them voted in the last election. Can you confirm that you live here and that your voters here and you show that to them and they say, wait a minute, it's just me and mama live here. Who are those other four people and who are those other three people who are voting from our house? And when you do that, you just made a convert because they know that fraud is happening from their house. They see it right in their own, in the official voter rolls that ballots are being cast from somebody who does not live where they live. Okay. That's very valuable. And so, and they're mad about it and they'll tell everybody in their neighborhood. And that's a good thing because now you're building a movement. And then you take that evidence. And what's so cool, my, actually, my favorite part of the whole thing is you found it with your own hands. And then it's like you got saved. You have to tell everybody. And so you go back to work on Monday and you, and you don't go up and say, man, I heard Dr. Frank. What a great speaker, man. That was such a great meeting. You should, he, all the election fraud we have. And you say that. And what do they think? You know, conspiracy wing nut, right? But if you say, I knocked on 10 doors this weekend and five of them opened and two of them had fraud at it. That's about the ratio that we've been getting. Two of them had fraud and it's real. Here's the fraud. And they're like, what? Yeah, I found 17 phantom voters on Saturday afternoon. What? Yeah, these are people who are not real who voted in our election or people who are dead. I was just sitting in Fresno 
recently. It was so awesome. We had the sheriff, the three county commissioners, and the clerk, and a couple of citizens of me were sitting around the table. We, we had a stack of 20 because they asked us to bring them 20 at a time. I usually like to bring them 100, but we, we were complying with them. So we brought out the first one. It's a person who died in 2006. And so the sheriff verified, yep, he's dead. Here's the death certificate to go with it and everything. Yep, we agree. The, the county clerk clicks it up. Yep, they voted, 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 voted. They quit voting in 2006. Yep, that's because he died. 10 years, no more voting. Then suddenly he's voting in every election. Okay, we gave him multiple, multiple of those. Uh, we're up to about 20 of those so far. And then we start giving them the other, the other balance of the 20 in each case are people that moved away years ago. We look them up. We find them in another state. We know where they live. We look up the tax records proved when they moved there. We find their voting record there because we have, I have voting records for 46 states now. I've done 3,000 counties at this point. And we look those people up. We get, we send somebody to that house to get an affidavit from them swearing that they didn't vote and yet you have a ballot from them voting in California. It's awesome. So in other words, when you collect that yourself, it's so fun to watch those people squirm because in Fresno, oh no, Dr. Frank, we're the gold standard for the state. No fraud here. Oh man, I just love watching them squirming like they got pinworms. It's awesome. It is awesome. So you will, you will enjoy that part of the process too, but don't do that alone. Let us help you with that. All right. All right, Fort Ben. Okay, I'm, I got something I haven't shown you yet. I already told you your voting's growing faster. I can show you quickly. Your rolls are growing faster than your population by about seventy-seven thousand. That's that's about fifteen percent or something like that. Too many people in your rolls. That's just based upon population growth. I actually think you probably got twenty to thirty percent easy people in your rolls that don't belong there. All right, Fort Bend, and you also became more volatile, just like everywhere else. This is something we didn't talk about last night, and this is really fun. So I've done this for every county in, in Texas. There's a lot of work. This is by age. This is for the 2020 election. I haven't got the 2022 data yet. I'm still working on that. <laughs> by age, how many people you have of each age? So you have about 12,000 people that are 18-year-olds, and you have about... 13,000 people that are 40 years old. See how this works? And then you can see people begin to pass away. This red line describes everybody who voted in 2020 in your county. The green, light green here is everybody who voted early. You got to quit doing that, by the way. Stop voting early. Vote on election day and take your license out. When you vote early, you're telling the bad guys how many ballots they need to stuff. Stop doing that. Vote on election day. Get back in the habit of doing that. The, the dark green is who voted on election day. In other words, you guys here aren't very patriotic. You don't vote on election day anymore. You need to vote on election day. And you need to get rid of central count and voter's choice. You need to not vote anywhere in the precinct. You need to have to vote at your own local precinct You need because you need to police it locally. So maybe one of the first things we need to attack in your county is to get rid of central um, voter's choice, they call it. You can vote anywhere you want in the county. You should have to vote only at the local precinct. By the way, it's way cheaper, 10 times cheaper. We've done the cost analysis. It's way cheaper to vote. Because if you think about it, if you can vote anywhere, you have to have printers for all the different ballot styles in every single, and you have to have all that stuff working. It's tons of equipment. It's very expensive. Unless you, uh, you guys, unless you guys are doing this thing, are you doing that where you're voting on an ICX machine? You touch the screen. Oh, come on. You guys are smarter than that. You get, you touch that and it prints it on paper. Oh, that's so stupid. That's the most hackable machine in the country. The Halderman report just came out. That's the ICX machine. It tells immediately what the tally is to the bad guys. That machine has modems in it. 
No, the DS200 is what you put in valid in afterwards. You guys got to get rid of that stuff. I mean, that is like that is like so obvious. You need to vote on a piece of paper and you need to fill it out with a pen. <laughs> and then and then somebody and then you need to put it in a box and then you could have Curtis come in and show you how to do that. Or you could or you could count them by hand. But whatever you do, what you're doing now is dumb. You're just giving everything away. I actually know that in all your early voting every night you publish every person who's voted. Did you know that? Why are you doing that? I know why. You ask the Republican Party, they say, that saves us on phone calls trying to get the vote out. What a stupid excuse is that? You just gave the information away to the bad guys. Don't do that. Turn out and vote. In uh, Clark County, Washington, a bunch of churches got organized and they turned out 70,000 more people than anybody expected in the primary on a primary election day. They swept every election. You know why? You didn't give the enemy a chance to stuff. You didn't give them a chance. You didn't get any, any advance notice and you overwhelmed the, the uh, election. Elections. It was awesome. Anyway, so I've done this. So anyway, that's your uh, population. Who vo- this? This is the total number of votes. This top red line. This is who voted early. This is who voted in person. The red, the dark red, is absentee ballots. Those are all ones that came in by mail. You got about. Looks like you had about thirty thousand of them. Okay, and that's a really good turnout. I don't think that's a real turnout. Yeah. What do we do? We all do go on election. Go all on election day. But so many times on election day, their equipment fails, and then there's there. That's the best argument against the equipment, right? You You have a class action lawsuit right at that moment because you were disenfranchised from your constitutional right to a ballot. That worked out in Maricopa, unfortunately. That's exactly. No, I think you're not right. They all got to vote. Vote to the to the Democrat side of town to vote. <laughs> that works too. And they will allow you to vote, no problem. Yes. Just get in line. Yes. No, you got to vote on election day, don't and you have vote, to get used to it. Don't vote in in Pecan Grove. If don't vote in Katy, go over to Misery City. If one of you gets turned away, if one of you gets turned away, you have a Supreme Court level case because they violated your constitutional rights. So you want to flood that place and they have to give you a ballot and they have to allow you to vote. If they have to stay open for days, they have to do it. This is how you take your power back. Don't compit- Don't roll over and, well, we have to make it easy for them. No! They have to make it easy for you. They work for you. Yeah. That's what he just said. And that's the best case there is for not having the machines. Well, that's, that's why, yeah, that's another thing about the seven steps. You're never, ever giving away your, this, uh, to anybody else. You're not collecting evidence so you can have a lawsuit. You're collecting evidence so that you can have a movement. Remember, you're building a movement. You're building a movement. You're not going to the Secretary of State. He already knows. You're not going to the DA. He's not going to prosecute. You are building a movement. You are taking your power back. You, it's like, it's like I told the story last night. When Antifa comes to town, you don't call the sheriff. You take out your rifle. You call your neighbor. You take care of business. You call the sheriff the next day to clean up the mess. You're the government. You, you are the government. You got to be the government. Don't wait for the legislature to tell you what you can do. You do what you know your constitutional rights are, and maybe they'll come along, maybe if they get their act together and write a law three years later. Okay. You have to be the government. All right. Let me, I got to show one more thing. Oh yeah. Let me explain this. And then, I, and then I think I can wrap up. How, how am I doing on time, Mike? Yeah, you got five. 
Perfect, perfect. I, I, that's just enough time. I want to help you understand what's going on. I don't have these kind of slides for Texas because I prepared these for my Supreme Court brief, but uh, it's an example from Missoula. And so what it is, is this is their, their population by age, this blue curve. And you can see they have a big university there. And this is who's in their voter rolls by age. And then this is who uh, is considered an active voter in, in, Mont in Missoula, Montana. By the way, it looks like they just about got everybody registered, huh? Kind of suspicious, huh? What you're going to notice is a lot of these are full because that's those are the ones who've died or moved away and not been removed. So it crowds. Really, this should be down here somewhere. Okay. So anyway, here's who supposedly voted in 2020 in Missoula, Montana. Look at just about, you know, uh, Walter was showing how they're in the top in the high 90s. Yeah. All those every age is in the high 90s percentage for now. Preposterous. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Here's who voted by mail and here's who voted in person. I want you to notice that the shape of who votes in mail and the shape of who votes in person is different. Yes. Here's the same data. I'm going to show that blown up so you can zoom in a little bit. This is the, who they consider an active registrant. Here's who votes in person. I think these are real ballots. I think this is real. I think these are people turning up and voting at the polls. And then what's happening, though, is they're filling the rolls up to the same amount in every county. And I'm about to show you that I can predict every county in your state. Just to help you understand that, here's the here's who's voting in person and it's real. Here's who's voting by mail who's real. And then they're filling up the balance um, with with stuffing of ballots. Okay, I'm not going to have time to show you that. When did it all start? But I told you when it started back in the 90s. I want to show you one more thing here. I don't have these data yet for your county, so I'm going to use another county as an example. But you'll understand what I'm talking about. Here's Collin County. So here's this is for the 2020 election from zero to 110 years old. This blue curve is the population by age in Collin County. The black curve is who's in the voter rolls by age. And the red curve is supposedly who voted by age. Now, just look at the blue curve and the red curve for a minute. Do they look awful alike? kind of similar. In fact, if I take the ratio between the black and the red curve by age, and I assume it's the same in every county in Texas, that ratio, I predict this light blue curve. In other words, I can tell you in every county how many 18-year-olds vote, how many 19-year-olds vote, how many 20-year-olds vote. How could I possibly do that? What I'm doing is I'm telling you it's the same in every county. How could it be the same in every county? Yeah, because some programmer in Central uh, yeah. It's because nobody ever made these graphs before. And somebody knew that I would figure it out. Okay. This is what Mike made the movie for. Okay. And this number R, this is the correlation coefficient. If this number is a one, that means my prediction is perfect. But everybody knows who knows statistics that a 0.6 or 0.7 is already a not, a, not a natural phenomenon. So, I mean, that's preposterous that I can do that. And I think I've got a couple other counties. Um, yeah, just to show, just to, here, that's Colin. Here's Dallas. I can predict it. Now, what am I doing? I'm predicting. And it's not because I'm Mr. Smarty Pants because I'm predicting. I'm telling you, I'm just using the same ratio in every county. And it's the same in every county. There's Dallas. Here's Tarrant County. Look at these point nine. I, I, why hold an election? I can already tell you how many votes you're going to get of every age. Okay. Here's Travis. That looks like I'm a little off here. Williamson County, 0.999. Ellis. So this is a small county, right? Big county, small county, doesn't matter. That, that ain't natural, buddy. I have done this for every county in your state. I haven't done that graph for every county in your state because I'm missing some of the data. Your state is not very forthcoming. If you have such good elections, how come you're not sharing the data? It's hard to get. 
All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Should I do this one more time? Yes. The big finale? Dr. Frank, before you do that real quick, we've, yeah. got, a, we've got an online question from oh, Yeah, An online question? Sure. Which is, who is the best person to talk to to understand the laws regarding fraud, voter fraud specifically? On your team, you need to have somebody who likes that stuff. <laughs> that ain't me. But there always is somebody who just loves to sit there in the evenings reading your state election code. There are people. You need to find who that is and then then let them read it. Did I answer the question? Okay. Yes, sir. I'll repeat the question. Yeah. yeah thank you. This was very interesting. So these uh, analyses you've done, yeah. uh, this is the 2020 election. Yeah. Have you done any of the same elect same analysis? for elections, say, from the 80s and 90s? When I was in Pennsylvania, I did them all the way back to 1990. So what, Because I got the data for every year. comparison between the shape of these curves, say, in Pennsylvania for 2020 versus They were random in the early 1990s, and uh, and then they grew in to be perfectly particular, uh, predictable after about 2000. I think that would be a great comparison slide to see. If I had it for every state, I'd use it, but I only just, have that for one county well, in the yeah, country. Just for one county in Pennsylvania, that would be a great uh, comparison. I have I actually have that I and i could show it to you but i just don't have time right i mean i i, I, I could talk time. to you for about 10 hours okay? you have time <laughs> uh yes yes in pennsylvania i got access to everything i, I was talking to Kurt, uh, clint curtis earlier i said um I, I tried to do exactly what you just asked for ohio and i started gathering all the past records and i noticed something very interesting what year did he testify before the house in ohio 2004 Guess what? All the historical records for Ohio are available, except 2004. It's been completely deleted from all the databases in the state. Isn't that very interesting? I just thought that was an interesting coincidence. So anyway, we can talk more uh, and maybe I'll put that graph up in a minute. All right. So this is an encouraging moment. I want you to not be too depressed. I want you to recognize the situation we're in. We're in a heap of trouble, right? We are, we're 80% through the way of a Marxist revolution. We're in trouble. We have to take our country back. But I also want you to be optimistic because this is a physics metaphor. This aluminum rod represents America and the rosin I just put on here represents the truth because lots of us are going around spreading the truth and people are waking up because as we're spreading the truth, the truth is resonating. Sorry, brother, you have to turn my mic off. He's going to think that's feedback, but that's resonance. And that, as we're spreading the truth, it's getting louder. The problem with the truth is that it's annoying. The truth is annoying. And when I tell you that you have voter fraud in your own county, that's annoying. And when you tell your friends that you have voter fraud in your own county, that's annoying. And you have to be annoying or nothing will happen. Remember the story I told you last night with Kyle Arduin, until the people rose up and brought the evidence to him and threatened to sue him and he wouldn't, he didn't do anything until we started picketing the houses in Shasta County and make, making those people's lives miserable. Nothing was happening. This is a war. You have to engage it. Stop being too polite. You need to step up. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? It's supposed to be annoying. And and what I like saying, yeah, it's like dragging your fingernails on the scratch on the board, isn't it? The, the point is, unless you're annoying, nothing's going to happen. And so I always say at this point, I always say, you notice how loud I can make this? I can make this unbearably loud in here. And you need to make the truth unbearably loud as well. Thanks.
We appreciate your time spent on this presentation because your vote is your voice. It does not matter if you are a Republican, Democrat, or Independent because this is not a partisan issue, but an important call to action for all Americans. Countries like France, Germany, the Netherlands, and Italy recently woke up recognized the real threat of electronic vote manipulation by socialist and Marxist who took over other countries without firing a shot, simply by placing pre-selected sympathizers in political offices and mainly against the will of the people. Fearing the loss of their sovereignty, these countries set aside their political parties, came together, and made it a national priority to abandon their electronic voting systems and switch back to hand-marked and hand-counted paper ballots. This effort was accomplished in a matter of months. Now, win or lose, all candidates can trust the hand count is accurate, transparent, and the true will of the people. It's time for America to wake up and do the same. Unfortunately, in other countries like Brazil, Guatemala, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, the people failed to recognize the threat of using electronic voting systems which allowed pre-selected socialist leaders and dictators to come to power. Now, the will and the freedom of the citizens is permanently suppressed in those countries. Would it surprise you to know that many of the same vulnerable electronic voting systems used in those fallen countries also have a major role in many elections in the United States? If you found this information valuable, we challenge you to help wake up your fellow American citizens and share this information with a minimum of 10 people through text, email, and social media, and even with an old-fashioned phone call, or even face-to-face. -face. We, and future freedom-loving American generations, thank you in advance for answering this call to action.